Hey everybody, welcome to Animates. I'm Paige. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be discussing perhaps one of the more unique shows that we've talked about on uh, the program, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. This show is a little bit of a throwback for us because we've been doing things that, uh, gosh, for all for <laughs> multiple years now, have fallen after the the late aughts. So basically, things that fit into that shiny new uh, Renaissance era feel, and this show goes back all the way to two thousand four. Uh, so it's more akin to kind of our first season of of information as opposed to how we've been doing things for quite a while now. Yeah, so cast your minds all the way back to the mid-aughts. The rises were low and the bottoms were bell. Uh, <laughs> Colin Powell was lying to the United Nations. Um, people were doing really insane things with their hair, and every man looked really shiny and wet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That is excellent. Um, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were just falling out of favor. Yes. <laughs> but the Black Eyed Peas were getting big. Yeah. I think My Chemical Romance was a really big deal by that uh, 2004, point. I think 2000, 2004, yeah, that was like in between Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge and um, uh, The Black Parade. So that would have been the time, like around the time the documentary Life on the Murder Scene came out. I know a lot about My Chemical Romance. I don't think you thought you were going to get into that. <laughs> That's no, I knew that. That's I was relying <laughs> on you, and I know that you knew that because we're friends and we've talked about liking my chemical romance before. So, <laughs> thank you for not judging me for liking my chemical romance. <laughs> how can I judge something that I also like? There you go. <laughs> it, it's just shared. We can be terrible together. Yes, uh, exactly. So, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends is a show that straddles. If I were to diagram a chart that shows different eras in in a network, we kind of did it with Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon's is easier. There's like a very clear break. Uh, for some people, it's like SpongeBob season four. Uh, but there's like a drought that occurs in the late aughts for Nickelodeon. There kind of is that for a cartoon network, but Foster's kind of straddles the period. It's it's like the last vestige of the old guard in a way that can be tied to specific creative. I feel like cre creative visions at in, in some of the biggest shows on the network. So Craig McCracken um, and Lauren Faust are responsible for Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends Craig McCracken being like the created by first credit. For those of you who don't remember, Lauren Faust of My Little, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, fame, among others. And Craig McCracken was the creator and showrunner of, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> Paige. How could you forget? 
I don't know what happened to me. Like my brain just stopped. I think I had a small stroke. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> so Craig McCracken, his 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 work is is pretty recognizable. It's got a very distinct style. It it still does use quite a lot of traditional cartoon tropes. So if you are familiar with shows like Dexter's Lab or or um, even stuff like Ed, Ed and Eddie, things that like you know old slapstick humor and jokes and sound effects it's still very much fit and non like serialized like wait yeah non serialized stories yes, basically more, no plot. Uh, more episodic yeah then you would you would understand fosters and then we kind of get into the new guard with like depending on who you talk to it either starts with chowder or with the misadventures of flapjack and then you kind of get into the the early what turns into the Pendletonian era. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, brand new, hot off the presses. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to note that um, Rob Renzetti was a director um, for the show, too, which people will say like oh he's known for as the creator of my life as a teenage robot. But like really he has been the director on like 8 million shows. He's the director of Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls, and Samurai Jack. He was a producer on Gravity Falls. Like, he's been heavily involved in the animation industry for the last 30 years. Um, So, and like, he's just, he's just a, you know, he's a professional, right? (laughs) Like, he's like, he's, 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 you know, a consummate professional. Well, and, and actually, like, at the end here, McCracken left Cartoon Network. Like, they, that ended their partnership when Foster's ended. Now, I don't think because of it, just, like, that was, like, the, again, it, it kind of feels like at that point the network was trying to transition to something new. And that that was kind of, for all the interesting things that Foster's brings to the table, it is still older. In, in its yeah. sort of feeling. And it's worth noting that, like, um, Craig McCracken and Rob Renzetti are actually working together again. Um, uh, like, Rob Renzetti, Craig McCracken, Lauren Faust, uh, you know, Tom Kenny, a whole bunch of these people are all working together again on a Netflix show um, called uh, Kid Cosmic that first aired just last year. That is news to me. And. Well, we'll have to check I'm it out. I'm literally just finding out about it now. <laughs> so I, there you go. Another sort of nice thing is that a lot of voice talent in the show is very recognizable. It uses a lot of voices that we will continually refer to, or voice actors that we will refer to forever until they die, basically. Yeah, like, so I'm, it's like, like gra- 70% of the voices on the show are provided by Grey Delisle. <laughs> That with fig- another 20% provided by Tom Kenny, 5% by Phil Lamar, and then another 5% other, like, random people who are also recognizable somehow. Yeah, I think that um, for those of you who, like, Grey Delisle, like, we've mentioned before, but she's every female voice ever. <laughs> I mean, it's like her, Tara Strong. Um, yeah. Every female voice that is not Tara Strong, who, by the way, also voice acts on this show. Um, well, who's the other one? She, 
there's Terra Strong, Great Elial. There's it's the one that we confuse for Terra Strong all the time. You're right. You're right oh, because my. they sound similar, and I am I, having a hard time putting my finger on it. It's gonna come to me in a fever dream. I know, at right? Like one a.m. at night. <laughs> so. Um, but Tara Strong actually in this voice is Mac's older brother. Which is so weird. Like I know, right? He he sounds like a very young snot-nosed kid, so Tara Strong has range. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Great Delisle is really good in this. Okay, so I, I have to put really Kath Susie. We're thinking that, of Kath Susie. Yes! Thank you. Yep. <laughs> so I was, I, I really want to give props to the voice actors because it, it's really funny. The show recognizes this. They scream a ton. How much? This show has so much yelling and screaming and crying that the people who voice acted, like they'll do occasionally at the end of an episode that's particularly bad, they'll just cut all the scenes of a character screaming together and it's just like 30 seconds of random screaming and yelling so yeah i i i'm amazed that they have the vocal fortitude to not hurt themselves doing I such know. things like do, like does gray have polyps after this show <laughs> There is a way that you can train your voice to do these things and if they're working professional surely they you know, they've learned how there's a technique to scream or yell without hurting oneself. We must hope. These yeah. are national treasures. Phil Lamar is a national treasure. We can't have him uh, hurting his wonderful, creamy voice. What's wonderful is that actually the two main characters, like mainest characters, Blue and Mac, they're the one whose voice actors. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, so like, um, Mac is voiced by Sean Marquette, who, um, is like, you know, a pretty young, oh, he's related to Chris Marquette. Oh, that's crazy. Huh? Well, he's the brother of Chris Marquette, apparently. Hollywood, um, baby. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and he, so Sean Marquette's like a relatively young person. Um, I don't think he was like a child child when he was voicing Mac, but he was young. Um, but a lot of what he's known for is live action, live action work. Um, though it seems like he has done way more voice acting than one would expect including in a lot of video games so there you go i do feel um, like it's i i do feel like tom kane deserves a shout out because he's very he is in like the powerpuff girls he's he does a lot of voice acting in and basically craig mccracken shows like he's in other things yeah. but that's where i most hear that voice is like the stern older like pomp and circumstance type gentleman voice. Oh, he was um, Miss. He was Darwin Thornberry and the Wild Thornberries. What? Apparently. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. And then Madame yeah. Foster and Coco are voiced by Candy Milo. Yeah, Candy Milo, who 
Um, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with her name, but it sounds like she did a lot of voice acting on um on Cartoon Network at around this time. This time period. Um Oh, it says that she's on uh, Dexter's Lab post season three, so that might be they replace um, Dee Dee, Dee Dee's voice actor. Um, no, Dex. They replaced Dexter. That's, she's second yeah. Dexter. Is who she is. Oh man, that was I. I heard that as a kid. Like I noticed, yeah. and I was not. Oh yeah, it's noticeable. Yeah, I was not happy about it. So these, like the main cast of the show, the, the show has no plot per se. It's it's not really, it, it's very, the premise is actually quite simple. Kids can actually create imaginary fence. We're not going to address the existential mess <laughs> of that, but, well, maybe we will, but not right now. So kids can create imaginary friends and naturally as kids grow up, they essentially oftentimes, not always, but will get rid of them. And there is a basically a foster, like a foster home for imaginary friends. Foster's home for, you know, uh, run by a woman named Madam Foster. So a bit of play on words there, you know. And mm. that is the setting for the show. It's like this place where there's all these imaginary friends who live and the humans that take care of them and the main characters back in blue are a child friend duo and the beginning of the show is basically Mac has to get rid of blue because his home life is god awful and well okay it's not it's not it's annoying yeah and he basically has to get rid of Blue, but he doesn't want to. So they work out a deal with the foster home that if Mac visits every day, the house will house Blue, the, the imaginary friend. And yeah. they, they make friends and they get into wacky misadventures with all these imaginary friends. So that's the premise. And it really doesn't deviate from that. It's just new flavors of chaos in that setting. And it truly truly is chaos just like blue is like an avatar of chaos on earth he truly is the sh the, the whole show is like chaotic little boy energy is it's like if, if you if it had genres chaotic little boy energy would be its main genre yes absolutely and it's just like so something i i like noticed about this show is like to be clear, it's a really good show. Like, it's really well made, it's interesting, and it's funny. But also, it was made at a period of time, like, early YouTube era, where people were like, you know what's hilarious? When things are super fucking annoying. And so, there is a lot of, um... A good amount of humor in the show where it's just like, look at how annoying this thing is. Isn't that hilarious? And as an adult in the year of our Lord 2022, I'm like, mm, always. I like cheese. <laughs> I do not care for cheese. <laughs> I like cheese. Okay, bye, doggy. <laughs> and it's just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, I'm not going to explain 
That, you can go watch the show to find out what that is. But, like, shit like that. Just, like, that. It, in and of itself, that's the punchline. Uh, is it, it, Yeah, it definitely is of an era. And, I mean, it, it yeah. is important to point out that it's not just, like, I like the show or Paige likes the show. The show had a very positive, very strong critical response. And won... It, got, it won five Annies and seven Emmys. It had... 25 nominations for various animation awards and it won half of them so it 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 really is important to note that it's not just a personal opinion that it was a good show generally speaking the industry considered it to be a good show as well yeah and, and like for what i think like the art style is like worth noting because it's like so it's definitely like you know like most animators will have like a signature style so it's not um so it is like Craig McCracken's style but I think that there are notable differences between it and um Powerpuff Girls like it's very whimsical and because the setting is like Foster's home is this like massive Victorian mansion so there is this sort of like 19th century flavor to all the backgrounds you know they're very ornate and like really pretty to look at a lot of the time and it sometimes has a sort of like paper cutout kind of feel to it well and okay that mansion is basically the tardis yeah i know right it's like infinite inside (laughs) but uh, yeah so it it's got a really rough style that it is very clearly a choice Yeah, definitely. Like there is because so something that's worth noting is it was the first Cartoon Network show to be primarily animated with um, Flash. And so there is a certain like roughness to the line work that like can only be intentional since it was being done mostly digitally. Um, And so there definitely was like a desire to sort of like you know create texture i think so the main cast are are there there are a lot of side characters the main cast is pretty pretty standard in terms of like it doesn't rotate a ton mm-hmm. we've got mac who is a uh, kid who's very like actually super mature for his age oh yeah like sometimes painfully mature <laughs> and the foil to him is blue who is his imaginary friend who yeah he, he's just chaotic he's that that he is chaotic neutral he yells a lot he's very selfish and I d- don't really know if he has any redeeming qualities. <laughs> he's, he's fun. He would be fun mm. for a kid. That's his only redeeming quality from an adult's perspective. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's Frankie. So Frankie's interesting because the the Foster's home is is the Foster home is run by Madame Foster, but she's an old lady. So the day-to-day business of the orphanage basically is run by 
Frankie, who's her 22-year-old granddaughter, and Mr. Harriman, who is a posh British rabbit that is the imaginary friend of Madame Foster herself. So basically, she never got rid of her imaginary friend. And they take care of the business. Frankie does not like 90% of the actual work. Yeah. She, like, and Harriman's 10% is like mostly him telling her what to do. So, uh, and punishing friends. So, Frankie really runs the place. And we see. She's complicated. Um, there's Eduardo, who's my. I love Eduardo. He's good. Eduardo is good. Eduardo is a giant horned beast he's got a skull on his belt and giant teeth and he looks really scary but you know he's a he's a fraidy cat that's his thing is like he looks intimidating and he's very strong but he's also he cries at the drop of a hat and he's very afraid of everything he's like super gentle too he loves like he likes stuff that's for like toddlers and but like he also like is very gentle and caring with like there are imaginary friends who are also babies. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> you know, he's like very gentle with them or like little puppies and stuff like that. Who else we got? Uh, we have Wilt, who is my favorite. Um, so Wilt was uh, clearly invented by a child in like the early 1980s uh, because he's clearly Wilt Chamberlain. Um, so like Wilt is like a million feet tall uh, and very, very good at basketball. But he has one arm that's like only like a bicep and one eye that's kind of like wonky. Um, which that does get explained later in the show, and it's, like, heartbreaking, actually. Um, and he's always wearing, like, uh, like, like Converse high tops and, like, really tall socks and, like, a sweatband on his, on his wrist. And he is, like, pathologically helpful and nice. He starts almost all his sentences with, I'm sorry. Um, and like what well, his, his basically his catchphrase is, I'm sorry, but that is not okay. Uh, and uh, then Coco, uh, Coco is like a first grader's drawing that you would be like, Oh, honey, that's so nice. And you put it on the fridge, but then you like the quote unquote the dog gets it. Um, or like, Oh, we don't know where it went. <laughs> Because <laughs> Coco's like a palm tree head with a plain bird body and a scribble for a mouth. Yeah, and she like can only say and write Coco, but everyone around her understands her. Um, and But she can also lay like great big Easter eggs that have like interesting stuff inside of them. And she can do it with intention. So she can explicitly lay an egg with something that she wants it to be, which raises so many questions about the laws of thermodynamics. But also, like, it's worth noting, I don't know, because I know that you um, had a little less time this week, so you had to skip over some stuff. But there's this whole, like, there's like a two-part episode that starts with the premise that every five years, Foster's has a reunion 
and the friends that still live there, their creators come and visit them. Um, and two nerds come and visit Coco and they were like, we discovered her. We were like in the Peruvian jungle and we came across her with no hint of any creator in sight. Whoa. Which raises so many questions about Coco. <laughs> and uh, let's see who else. Harriman. Uh, he's a bunny that yells at people to do things with an antiquated sort of like Victorian era style air to him. It's like, but he's also a carrot addict and he like, he, he, he is very wacky in his own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he like really, really loves Madam Foster. Hippity hoppity. My ears yeah. are so floppity. <laughs> that that legitimately is one of the cutest things. It's so cute and touching. Uh, and then naturally, oh, okay, I'll wait to say that. So Madame Foster is the last person that I would want to introduce because she's like this crazy, she's crazy fun old lady. That's her whole deal. She's lo- loving crazy old lady. There, you understand Madame Foster. Congratulations. Uh, she's fabulous. I love her. She's really tiny, too. Like, itty tiny bitty. But she's got that old, like, fierce, like, that fierce streak that media often put in, like, old feisty women. She's, like, got a bowling league that gets super intense. She likes to, she, her car is like a, a fucking Thunderbird. That she drives. She's dope. So, yeah, they make a joke. They're like, oh, we'll take Madame Foster's car. And they come careening out of the garage and it's just like a muscle car. So Madame Foster is great, but she, I don't think she gets a ton of development. She's mostly no. comedic relief. Yeah, definitely. So the show is interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, first, we both agree that Foster seems to eschew binging. Yes, it's because of some of the things that we were talking about, like sort of the annoying humor and mostly the screaming. So much screaming. It, um, it's like the first show that we've watched that like I really like, but I had to like, I had to take a break. There were a couple of times where like, like, by the time I finished watching it, because I watched it all in, like, three days, like, my nerves were, like, raw. I was, like, it, like, it gave me anxiety. And there were multiple times where I was, like, I have to take a break. I can't do this anymore. And it's not like the show is super long. Like, it 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 has seven, I think, 70. 79 episodes? Yeah. So, it oh, for, for a show that ran for multiple years, it, it's definitely not a huge ask. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, it is... I feel like it was really made in an era before you were expected to watch a bunch of it back to back to back. So before binging became popular or or really even possible. And it shows. Like it shows in every episode is very, like a lot of intensity, like a lot of noise, a lot of motion, a lot of color, a lot of jokes. Like some episodes are super joke dense. Oh yeah, so, definitely. So it's one of those things that you you kind of actually I had to pay attention to it. Uh, and older shows, sometimes I could pay less attention and still get everything. But this this definitely required me to focus, 
which also made it tiring if I tried to watch too much at once. Yeah, I definitely, I like had it on while I was working. So there, I'm sure there are sight gags I missed, but like, you know, I'd watched it like all day on Wednesday and I got up on Thursday morning and, you know, after I'd like worked for like an hour, I turned it on and the first like 30 seconds of the show was just blue, like shrieking. And I was like, nope. And I had to go turn on a British period drama for a couple hours. <laughs> I have been going to sleep and I'll hear the theme song in my head. Yeah. Right. So that the music design is actually really good. On Super sh- cool. It, because the music really conveys the aesthetic of young imagination in, in, in like very childlike excitement for everything. So I think that the the, mu- the music and sound design for the show is ex- excellent. It's, it's I'm like perfect. 90% sure that like a lot of the music contains a harpsichord of all things. Or a jaunty piano. Like an uh, off- like also like a, a muted ukulele is a big part of it. They very much. And, and it's interesting because they use like the same Foster's motif throughout a lot of the music. But it so it keeps this feeling that all of this is like tied together and has a very, very core aesthetic. But, you know, they riff on it. So it's very, yeah. very pleasing to yeah, definitely. to see. Like the theme song, one of the Emmys was the for the theme song. Yeah, it's it's very no. It, what's the word? Like I I hate to use the it's word. Iconic. Iconic. Yeah, no, it's iconic. Iconic. It's extremely recognizable. And the moment you hear it, like the first, the first like couple of notes, you're like, I know exactly what we're in for here. Um, other interesting points of the show, like it. It's kind of hard because we're back to, I don't really have anything offensive to say. Not really. There, there are some things that definitely made me think a little bit and are, are interesting. But last time we did She-Ra and we had so much to talk about because there was so much content. Because um, the show is essentially trying to make a stand or, or to have a yeah. message. The show doesn't really have a message. The show's message is kids are crazy and fun and annoying. Yeah, I, I will say, like, it's like, it's sort of intentionally removed from the outside world. Um, and I think that that, like, is reflective of the fact that, like, the entirety almost the entirety of the show takes place in discrete three-hour periods between when Mac gets out of school and when he has to go home for dinner. Like, he goes there in the afternoon after school, and most, and so this is an escape for him. Like, he, like, his mom is, like, he, like, no mention is ever made of his dad. He has a single mom. She works multiple jobs. They live in an apartment, Um, He has an older brother who is like very cruel and his mom seems to be like aware of it, but just doesn't have the time or patience to do anything about it. And in school, it seems like in school, he's like nothing spectacular. Like he's not he's not cool. He's not picked on. He's not super smart. He's not super dumb. He's not the teacher's pet. He's not the class clown. He's like nothing in particular, you know, so for Mac, like but this is a place where like. 
a lot of people are very focused on Mac and like look forward to him being there. And it's an escape for him from like this sort of challenging parts of his reality, because like that's like it's not like he's having a terrible childhood, but it's not he's not having like a great one either. Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said that it's nice seeing a portrayal of a single parent in a cartoon like this. This is really, I think this is, we start to really see a transition in this period of time to child media showing alternative families more often. Yeah. Like in cartoons. Like, they're, I, I do think that we, I mean, we kind of get it with the Powerpuff Girls, right? The professor, we talked about how he's essentially a single dad. And... I think that we, you know, you start to see alternative families and Mac's family is very much like a single parent that works two jobs. Boy, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> that's a real, who doesn't have time to manage her kids as much as she would like. Yeah, that's, that's very real. Yeah, I also think it's like worth noting that like basically the, the one liner about the impetus of the show is like, oh, Craig McCracken like adopted some dogs and he was like, what if you could do the same thing with an imaginary friend or whatever? But I think it's really worth noting that people who have surnames beginning with Mick or Mac often go by Mac as a nickname. Just saying. So are you saying that this belies the young McCracken's childhood? Maybe a little bit, you know, puffing, like, I mean, puffing a lot on of my puffing on my cigar, <laughs> As you for... know, I mean, like a lot, like it's very common for for creators to, you know, self insert, especially especially when they're creating media, when when a character is a child, they very often sort of self like, for example, like Alex Hirsch, like, like he like Dipper is Alex Hirsch, you know, and uh, Mabel is his twin sister. As Freud would say, unless we understand the forces in our childhood, we are doomed <laughs> to repeat them on our adult stage forevermore. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I I don't necessarily endorse that, but you know, um, <laughs> there it is. Um, so yeah, I his brother. F fucking sucks. I mean, he's he's the worst. He's definitely he's definitely gonna grow into adult an adult with antisocial personality disorder. Oh my god, he's going to prison. For like sure. he's it, like he's going to prison. There's no there's without like immediate therapeutic intervention that sh that that person is going to become a a, a criminal. Yeah, and like true, not like. Not like TV Hannibal Lecter psychopath, like smart psychopath, like real like antisocial personality disorder where a lot of them like are very close to having cognitive deficits. Yeah, dude who stabbed somebody in a bar because they looked at them wrong, but not out of like respect, just like impulse. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, dude, Terrence is so dumb. Like, he can barely string two words together. <laughs> I, I actually truly think that there is a case to be made. Like, I'm I'm not not convinced that he doesn't have a learning disability. I think he needs interventions. Yeah. <laughs> so the world is really failing him. Really. It really is. But he's also just, like, cruel and awful. He just, like, he enjoys making Mac's life miserable because it's entertaining to him. Yeah, that's definitely sociopathic behavior. 
Like, yeah, he's he's not he's a bad person. He's a bad little person. He really needs some interventions. He would kill a puppy. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And he probably wets the bed and he would totally start fire. So he's got the trifecta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Max older brother's a serial killer. Is what we're <laughs> well, okay. Interestingly, he tries to imagine a bully to beat up on blue, but he actually imagines a very kind friend by accident. It's, Okay, the imaginary friend that he comes up with is just a red cube. Red square. Oh my god. It's just, his his name is Red. <laughs> that, that episode is so funny because he tries to create this aggressive friend that ends up punching him in the face. And he's so uncreative that he can only imagine a red cube. That's it. That's all he can think of. So oh it, it it's very funny. Um, they're actually speaking of people who who have sort of like atypical behavior sets. Like you do see another character on the show that's very, very, a lot. Her name is Goo Goo Gaga. Oh my god. That's her. Okay, so let's let's break down Goo Goo Gaga because I feel like there's a lot the show implicitly communicates about children with goo goo gaga so they always just they always just call her goo for the record i know but i feel like it's important that we don't forget that her name is goo goo gaga um so she is a young girl that comes around like third fourth season and she is around max age she has an overactive imagination, which normally is not a huge issue, but in a, a universe where children's imagination without, like, they can just make, not, okay, they can make entities that are sapient <laughs> with yeah. very little effort, but they can also create big, small, violent, like all this stuff. She is... She's like a poster child for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Like she is not a she is neurodivergent. Yeah. <laughs> she is like she she talks so fast and can't stop. Um mm -hmm. she's difficulties and it's doing like stream that. Of it's like stream of consciousness too. And she 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 presents as a problem because she creates imaginary friends at the speed of light. So she basically creates too many for fosters to take care of. They end up wrapping up that plot line uh, pretty satisfactorily and they really connect it like they, they do. I feel like they both kind of make fun of some parenting styles like Goo Goo Gaga is so named. Why, Paige? Because uh, she named herself because her mother wanted her to have creative freedom, but she did it when she was a baby. And as she said, her like thing to say when she was a baby was goo goo gaga. So basically her parents are like not even Montessori types. They're like they take 
some of the child development literature of the time and just like go way too far. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, Goo could probably really benefit from just a smidge of Ritalin, but, you know, they're not the kind of parents who would be interested in giving that to her. Or, or just structure. Like, yeah. that's the issue with these, like, the, the whole point of, ch- like, giving children autonomy is not to give them pure autonomy. <laughs> children need structure. Like, like the reality. parenting does not work. Like, the reality is, is that, like, you need children need feedback systems to learn to regulate their behavior and you have to be that feedback system the the point is to create a feedback system that's not arbitrary or relies on punishment too much or that is like overly constrained but you do like you are supposed to provide a feed because if you don't gugu gaga arguably like even if she could be diagnosed with ADHD like, one of her issues isn't necessarily that issue. It's the fact that she has absolutely no practice regulating her emotions or her cognition. She just... Yeah. She has and, n- nothing to stop the stream. And what's really interesting is that, like, she is a recur- She becomes a recurring character. And we learn that with Mr. Harriman's help, she does learn to prevent herself from, like, constantly creating imaginary friends but uh sometimes when she sleeps um she will accidentally create imaginary friends in her sleep um and she also becomes like involved with their like you know they always have like a big drive on saturdays called adopt a thought saturday and she becomes like very involved with that and she creates like a whole new and more efficient system to manage that event and the like you know paperwork involved with all of the adoptions that go on on that day and she's really intense about it too (laughs) and um i thought that was really interesting i I, okay so i think the show actually does a really good job of trying to show a character that has problems but also under the right conditions that person can thrive like for example in the episode where she's introduced she ends up like when after Mac blows up on her and basically is like, I don't like you, which is done in a moment of anger. And she leaves. He ends up going to make up with her and she expresses like the reason that I do this with imaginary friends is because I'm lonely. Uh, th- that is not a satisfactory explanation for me. That's half the story. Um the other half is that she truly just does have difficulty regulating her thoughts. But um, by connecting with a person whose experience is quite different, who, who clearly is dealing with like a, a disorder that is very... I, I think it does a good job of showing how alienating that is for children. That like she knows she's different and that people treat her differently and it causes her to be lonely. That actually was like very astute. I th- I think that that was good of the show, and that by having a person who can connect with her experience, you know, she can have fulfilling relationships and can then you know channel a lot of her energy into tasks that she is better suited for with her energy and intensity. Like 
she's really charismatic. So she she's really good at selling imaginary friends to people. So I think it, yeah. the show is really kind of like a nice, you don't need to see this person as a problem. See where they can thrive. Because it may not be where other people can, or even like quote unquote normal people can, but there is a place for them, you know, and they are valid and valuable. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the show is about that because like most of the main cast is arguably like uh, neurodivergent. Like I think that they're diagnosable clinically. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, one of the things is it's so hard to try to be like, we should clinicalize all of this because, you know, a lot of it is just like childhood. Um, mm -hmm. That's why childhood psychology is so complex and why, like, working with children is very complicated because sometimes things are just a phase or things are just the environment that a person is in. And if you change that, things kind of go away. So, you know, it's a rough it's a rough business, that. Yeah, it, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like, is Eduardo, like, just a scaredy cat? Or is he actually suffering from, like, extreme anxiety and, like, yeah. phobic behavior, you Gen know? Generalized anxiety disorder with agoraphobia. Yeah, definitely. Or, like... Like, is Wilt, you know, is he just, like, the nicest guy ever, or is he, like, deeply codependent? Yeah, Wilt, for me, Wilt seems to have personality issues, if, if we're going to talk about stuff, because he's just, like, he's, yeah, he just completely lacks any sort of self-assertiveness, which is so sad, because he's so kind. He's so kind. There's, like, actually a whole episode about him learning to say no. You know, um, because it's like he he has something that he really, really wants to do. But because he's incapable of saying no and like everyone takes advantage of that, he misses out on that. But it's so like he's like incapable of saying no, you know, and so it doesn't work out um, for him or like blue like Coco is she's not she's Coco, you know, um, and like Frankie's a pretty normal person, but like. I, you could argue that both Blue and Duchess suffer from some form of narcissism. Dutch, okay, so Duchess is the worst. Duchess is the, an imaginary friend dreamt up by a, just like a terrible young girl. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and like snooty. She looks like a Picasso. Like a Picasso painting, yeah. Painting. Clear, I think she was clearly a, a product of the Picasso era. Oh, Yeah. Spanish royalty. I don't know, man. She's the worst. So Yeah, but she's like, she's obsessed with money and status and like is horrible and cruel and mean to everyone around her. Which begs the question, can you kill an imaginary friend? The answer to that question <laughs> is, is actually yes, because there's food that can be eaten like imaginary friends that are made of food are worried about getting eaten mm -hmm. so it you know it's one of those cases where i think you could actually kill <laughs> an imaginary <laughs> friend they lock it's actually kind of they lock away the mean ones 
Like, yeah, the, the, they call they say that they call them extremosauruses, and they say that they're imaginary friends imagined by jerky teenage boys. Yeah, this show really does not have a favorable opinion of teenage boys. No, it thinks they're terrible. <laughs> Which I was a good kid. I was a good teenager, but I also recognize there are a lot of jerky teenage boys. I, I do have to say that uh, teenage boys caused lifelong psychological damage to me. So. Yeah, teenage boys are categorically more likely more likely to be challenged. Yeah, um, all teenager all teenagers suck though, just to be clear, regardless of gender. <laughs> so it's actually actually interesting that you say that because I literally just yesterday was listening to NPR. And the tagline was, are teenagers actually the worst or are they yes. just sleep deprived? And I was like, ooh, por qué no los dos? Yeah. Um, I, I think it was more like, do teenagers act impulsively because they are sleep deprived? Probably. Is that the mm -hmm. only factor? No, no way. No, yeah, their brains, their brains are not fully cooked. And as a result, <laughs> like the worst. <laughs> Needs a little bit longer in the slow cooker. You yeah. Know, you, you, you need it to be cooked all the way through, but you still want it to be moist. It's sort of like, okay, so like when you have cookie dough, you're like, oh my gosh, cookie dough. I know that I shouldn't and that this is raw, but it's like, great, hooray, cookie dough. And when you have like fully baked cookies, you're like, awesome. This is what I wanted. This was the goal of this whole you know, enterprise, cookies, hooray. But if you were to take cookie dough out of the oven, like cookies out of the oven, like three minutes before they were supposed to be ready, like not just so they're gooey in the middle, but like three minutes before they're supposed to be ready, you would be like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? I don't like what, what am I supposed to do with this? It's gross. I don't want it. It's and that's like a teenager's brain. It's underbaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who watch The Great British Bake Off, teenage brains are both underproved and underbaked. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Hollywood looks like a looks at a teenage brain. He's like, oh, I'm not gonna eat that because I don't fancy a stomachache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too sweet. Um. So so I, I I do I do recognize that that you know. That's the thing. And and uh, Mac is probably going to be a good teenager, but you never know. You know, you never know. Puberty is a hell of a drug. <laughs> so the other so, uh, Frankie is not a teenager. She's 22. She presents to me as a. am I'm, I'm always sad for her because her life is both fulfilling, but also sucks. Yeah, it's sort of like, so she's presented as a recent college graduate, and I think that, like, I think that at least in terms of my experiences, um, it, it's a pretty good portrayal of what it is like to be in your early 20s, because being in your early 20s fucking sucks. It's the worst. 
Yeah. You don't have any money. Like you just got your nice institution like ripped away from you that you'd had for literally your entire life up till now. You don't have it anymore. So you're just like out in the world floundering around. You don't have any money. You just spent a bunch of money to get something that's supposed to grant you like some kind of respect and value, but it didn't. No one respects you. Young people don't respect you. Old people don't respect you. They, it just feels like everyone just keeps heaping more shit on you all the time. It's the worst. <laughs> and that's what Frankie's life is like because she's 22. Yeah, that famously that song, Nobody Likes You When You're 23. It's about this thing. So she, I mean, she does menial work. Like she does business type work, but she also is like cooking, cleaning, making food. Harriman's the fucking worst. I what? know. He's such a dick to her all like, the time. All I want to do is yell and be like, Frankie, just say no. Yeah, like, because it's like, what? Is your grandma going to let him fire you? Come on. Yeah, like that's the whole deal is like, the dynamic here is that Frankie does it because she feels bad if she doesn't, but she is oftentimes asked to do insane things, things that just don't matter or don't need to be done in the way that Harriman wants them to be done. And... It, it's so funny because Madame Foster undermines Harriman at like every turn and yeah. which tells you that like the powers that be really don't care about all that pomp and circumstance. Well, so she, because it's like Harriman is like an absolute control freak and he clearly like to me like I see in Harriman someone who manages his own anxiety with excessive rulemaking. As Freud would say, he is an anal character. I don't yes. know why I keep going back to Freud. I'm not a psychoanalytic person. It, it It's because I taught that recently, I think. Um, there you go. Explain. He's an anal character, you know? He, yes. He never, he never moved on from trying to control and retain things. Yes. In this case, things is feces. Um, yes, poo-poo. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, that was very unexpected. Uh, he can't control it to poo poo. Um, <laughs> so we've got um, Frankie, and she, I never really, I, I always want better for her, and she never really gets it. And I, you know, she is appreciated by people, but. I, she just doesn't get enough for what she does. But I guess in a very real sense, that is how people who work in helping professions and orphanages probably feel. Yeah, well, like she graduated from college in 2004. So she has like several years before the shit hits the fan to find a job in her field and establish herself. So she'll probably be okay. What kind of job do we think Frankie will get? No, because they explicitly made it so, like, like she's on a date one time and they come into the scene right as the date is saying, wow, I heard that's a really hard major. I'm impressed. So it's like, who fucking know? Like, I don't know. I don't know what Frankie majored in. Probably math or science. If, it, if it's hard, like, what are majors that people call difficult? 
usually math and science degrees. Yeah, usually. Even though, like, my friends out there who might be listening, like, we all know that degrees are all hard in their own ways, but... Except education. This is... Oh, my God. <laughs> that That's a very Knox statement, I feel. <laughs> No, um, it's it's literally it's literally like I have asked Blake. It's true at other colleges too. <laughs> okay, so education is valid, people. It's valuable. I'm just kidding. Like, good for you for majoring in education. You but, are great and meaningful and useful in society. But also, where we went, getting A's was like, you do one thing, you get the. A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I yeah I think. She'll be okay. I'm not worried about this fictional character. <laughs> um, she'll be all right. <laughs> she'll be. She'll be fine. Finishing remarks. Fa- favorite things. Favorite bits. Um, the the show has a lot of really good jokes. It makes fun. It it it, it was when YouTube and social media were really hitting the cultural consciousness in a serious way. So like. Harriman gets a video leaked on the internet. That concept viral. That concept in cartoons wasn't fresh. Was still fresh. Sorry. It was still mm-hmm. fresh. So it was still yeah. it was in that, you know, again, that that liminal space uh, of the internet becoming popular. And then he tries to do a rap remix or a hip-hop remix. Which is also very that era. So yes. that's a great yes, bit. Absolutely. Hippity hoppity. Yeah. You ain't got rhymes that don't dropity. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bad. It's very cringe, but in in a really funny way. Favorite um, favorite bits or jokes? Um, let's see. I like uh, anything. Anything that Madame Foster does, basically. Madame Foster is great. I'm a big fan of her. I like cheese. <laughs> you enjoy cheese. I, I don't enjoy I, cheese. I, I enjoyed cheese um, <laughs> as a kid, I think, and that's why I like him now. Um, I really like some of the media references they make, like the cannibal ghost. Oh, my. The haunting... Uh, um, the 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 can- the cannibal ghost of the haunted house on Horror Hill. Because <laughs> <laughs> Blue's like, it's, Blue makes a joke about a horror film showing on TV. It's like it's gonna be about some dumb ghost on some dumb house in some dumb hill, and that's the title <laughs> of the movie. And it's it's really great. Or like they make a movie one time, and they call it like the Terror X Three. Dome in the shadows, colon the unrelenting. Yeah. Um, a lot of their like pop cultural references are like extremely like dibberger. Like they make a lot of uh uh Lord of the Rings references that I really enjoyed. Um, specifically to the films, which were current at that time. Um like uh Mac, you know, when he goes into like a sugar rampage, they like give him something sugarless and he says like it burns us he grabs his neck says it burns us okay by the way that episode is a lot um it is it's a lot every time mac eats sugar it's a lot okay so that whole okay so the the show's full of innuendo and this 
episode, the innuendo is drugs. Like, yes. cocaine. Very, very, very obviously cocaine. Because Mac gets sugar at a house party, and he... He he keeps eating sugar and his pupils grow really big. <laughs> like it it's very clearly just like and they're all drinking things in yeah, it gets solo to the point where it's cups. like dude it's fucking like like sugar for Mac is not even cocaine anymore. It's like fucking bath salts. Like <laughs> he turns into an absolute shrieking or maniac and he's P- running through the streets with no shirt on. <laughs> fucking PCP. Like, and he starts jabbing, he's like, and he keeps eating sugar and it keeps happening. So it, that, that episode is really funny. I mean, they're, they do a lot of visual gags with the imaginary friends. So there's like two cat imaginary friends scratching a scratching post imaginary friend and the imaginary Look, post coming. is making a cum face <laughs> and they're stroking they're scratching the post really like sultrily sensually and you're just left to think how did they get away with that yeah there's like that one i saw it was like oh like there were like a couple like you know that i'm not a conservative person and i can't remember any except for the one that we just said but there were a couple of jokes where i was like is this really appropriate for children? <laughs> well, it, I, there are a couple things with Coco, too. Like, Coco says things that we can't hear. So you're left to wonder what she said, and sometimes it's very suggestive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that the... Like hair, yeah. They they. I, there are a number of drug references, just like Harriman and the carrots. Yeah, definitely. Like Harriman is like, a carrot addict. He's hidden his stash like all over the house, and he's like freaking out, trying to like collect all of his stash before people find it and find out, you know, that he's been doing carrots. And he says classic like ah, ah, like just one more, just one more carrot, <laughs> like just one more hit. Mm-hmm. Um. In that episode, one of the best jokes they make, though, is they call the cops and they're like, somebody stole 100 carats. And the cops think that it's 100 carats of diamonds. Yeah. (laughs) And so it turns into a really big manhunt. That that Mm -hmm. is that was like a very funny pun. Yes. The kids. I don't think kids would understand. Yeah, I don't know if they understand. Like, 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 at what age did I understand? Like, like diamond terminology. I think I that joke was made for adults. I do not. Yeah. Think, I do not think that that bit was made for kids. But it becomes like a big part of the plot of the episode is that misunderstanding between carrots and carrots. But I, I still, I still think they're like, well, adults will explain it to their kids. To the kids, yeah, definitely. Um. Uh, let me see. So they do a lot of puns, a lot of good puns in the show. Oh, uh, my favorite ongoing gag is that Blue is obsessed with, of all things, paddleball, and he cannot do it at all. Like, you, there is never one single time in the entire show where he successfully hits the ball off the paddle even once. Oh, that bowling episode is just a big Lebowski reference. And yes, actually oh they show... They show 
the the John cast Goodman in the background. Yeah, yeah, no, it they show the whole cast from the Big Lebowski in the bowling alley. Yeah, it's it's called the Big Lebowski. The episode, it's so good. Um, actually, another funny bit in that episode is like you need to give a shoe to take a shoe, and Coco poops out brand new bowling shoes to give for <laughs> gross bullet shoes. They're so gross. <laughs> uh, so there are, I yeah, I think they're really, um, and they do. Okay, so I guess the last thing I I want to say as we wrap up here is that the show is like a a really interesting thought experiment in a sense because you're left to wonder like, how, wouldn't the world just be filled with these things? And like, what are no, people right? what are people doing with them? And like you can create imaginary friends that have objects on them that I guess aren't a part of them. So like a kid could imagine a dude holding a bomb and the bomb would be real. Oh God. Like you can also, you can also permanently injure imaginary friends. It seems because of like poor Wilt. Oh my God. The soul crushing story of Wilt where like he was created by it turns out his child was Jordan Michaels um the professional basketball player but he was created to like help learn how to like play basketball and then in a match against another kid who created like an enormous cheating basketball imaginary friend Wilt prevented the child from being crushed to death therefore losing the game and damaging his arm so badly that it had to be amputated and like fucking up one of his eyes permanently and he felt so bad about having caused the game to be lost that he just disappeared into the night and like never reconnected with his creator for another like 30 years and it's like wow that's fucking heartbreaking but it does bring in like an additional issue of like kids creating in like imaginary friends for instrumental purposes, just like Terrence does with Red. Yeah, or like there's the um Abraham Lincoln Penn, who was like created to help a kid cheat by knowing facts about the presidents, but also as like a con man. <laughs> you know? So it 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 definitely is one of those things that as an adult, you can't think about it too hard because yeah. then you're like, how does this world function? How is it not just full to the brim of imaginary friends constantly? Because it, it's not like in some systems where if you stop believing in them, they go away. No, they're there permanently. Like they're a fixture of reality once you poop them out of your mind. Yeah. That's terrible. Like, I don't know. Like, existentially, that's terrifying because then I'm like, well, what if I imagine a gross, evil being by accident because of intrusive thinking? I was about to say, I have so many intrusive thoughts. Are you shitting me? Like, I can't live in that world. Um, I guess adults lose their ability to do that. It's, I don't know if it's because it's they unclear. stop. It's unclear. If they lose their ability to do that or if they just like me and they stop thinking like children. Um, mm. So 
so many so many questions left unanswered thanks fosters yeah craig mccracken what are you doing yeah i need a bible lore I need a Bible. Like, I need to know. This This is a magic system that I will decipher. And I will. I need, I need the playbooks for Fosters. Like, I need to understand. Like, if two children imagined friends to fight, I need to be able to predict within, like, 5% which one would win based on the structure of your system. Yeah, like, uh, do the kids have to, like, roll up some stats, or is it just, like, whoever is, like, smarter there and can create a more cool thing, they win, you know? I don't know. Let's can you on. can you imagine God? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, Nietzsche's worst nightmare. God isn't dead. There are, like, a hundred different gods running around like christian gods running around because kids went to church and imagined god but like buff (laughs) well okay no but again we know that there's an episode where they imagine santa clauses there are imaginary santa clauses which means you know that there are imaginary jesuses yeah like a bunch like 17 different jesuses there's like you know, so there's like Rasta Jesus, uh, and there's like, you know, blue eyed, blonde haired Catholic Jesus, and there's like conservative Jesus who's like really tough and like has biceps and like wears an American flag robe. You know, <laughs> like there's like a million Jesuses running around. Paige. Oh my God. That was just like, that spooked me so much. You were so close to the mic. <laughs> It was like you really came up behind me and whispered in my ear. <laughs> Paige. Yes. This begs the question. Are there imaginary Trumps out there? Oh, God, probably. No. <laughs> you just wake up one night. Your child says, I didn't mean to. Make him stop. And in runs like a two foot tall Trump caricature going, Magama. Maga. <laughs> it's just like Coco, but all it can say is Maga. Oh my god. Maga, 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 Maga. Or worse. You just like have this like little like little like dwarf at your kitchen table for breakfast and he's like, you know, I'm very good at eating cereal. Some people say, some people even say that I'm the best. They're saying more and more. I'm the best at eating cereal, you know, like cornflakes, cocoa pops. <laughs> Just like our our forty fifth president saying, like just the the imaginary <laughs> friend just running around saying that. Oh my god, Melania, she's a foreigner. <laughs> like it just spits out, like ran, like it's just a random Trump quote generator in oh imaginary god. friend form. Terrifying, truly, just, and and it's like. What do you do? Like, th- okay, this feels like a South Park bit that we've just. Oh my like, god! Yeah. Like an episode that South Park would make on the Foster's premise would be exactly what we've just described. Absolutely. So I know it is like almost twenty years too late, um, Trey and Matt, but you should really consider <laughs> investing in this very old premise. 
Um, also, another like ongoing thing about the show that I love is that there are many, many, many imaginary friends that are the personification of various inanimate objects, and they're all just named the name of that thing E. Wally. Like, there's, there's Brushy and Wally and Camry and you know, um, like the, like a bunch of them. There are like tons of them. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I think that's a good place to kind of be like, if you think about it, if you look at it too hard, you will burn your eyes on the implications. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic kid show in that you're not meant to like, you're not meant to interrogate it, really, you know, that's not the purpose of it. Unless you uh, create a podcast with a friend where your explicit goal is to interrogate children's cartoons. Then, then, <laughs> just fucking ruin them. <laughs> then, then it's just like, uh, this isn't realistic at all. Zero out of five mateys. <laughs> Ooh, oh, we should have a ship icon and our rating is how many mateys there are on the ship. Like, yeah. zero out of five mateys. That ship deck is empty. Yeah, this ship cannot sail. <laughs> so, uh, I, I would say go watch it. It's fun nostalgia. Yeah, be aware, though, that, like, the literally this, the audio of it, of it is very loud. Like, the audio itself is loud. You'll want to turn the TV down, like, way down. Because in addition to that, they screech constantly. So just... Turn the TV way down, like as soon as, as, soon as you turn it on. Be prepared. <laughs> it's on Hulu. Yeah, like all of it's on Hulu and it, it's really enjoyable. It's one of those things where I definitely, if I had like young children right now, I might be like, ooh, mom wants to show you something, you know, and I think that the kids would really genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, I think that they would have fun. Yeah, but just don't watch more than like an hour of it at a time or you may go insane. So, yeah, great, great stuff. That is all that I have for today. Yeah, me too. Um, so I guess um, I'm not sure what we're going to do next, So, but it is going to be on the same theme. So you'll have to stay tuned. It will be a surprise. Um, and as usual... Please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It will help the two other people in the world who might like to listen to something like this find it. And we would really like for them to join our, our, our little crew. We also have a Patreon uh, where you can donate a small amount of money to help us cover the costs of creating the show. And in return, you will get occasional bonus content there, as well as access to the small backlog of previously created bonus content you can also interact with us on social media we are animates podcast on facebook and at animates on twitter you can also reach us via email if you have any like really intense questions that you need to ask us or want to like start a debate on whether or not like you know ed wardo is actually you know, has generalized anxiety disorder or not with us or something, you can email us at animates at gmail.com using the numeral eight instead of the letters A and T. And as always, thank you so much for listening. 
I've been Paige. And I've been Chris. And this has been Animates.